DJ PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. It's time to bring in David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz. He's on the Smart Rain guest line. Utah will be in a drought next summer. Smart Rain knows the 2022 budget planning for most businesses is coming soon. Take advantage of their Save Now Pay Later, prom- pay later promotion. Do your part by saving water while saving money. Check out Best Estate Award winner, Smart Rain at SmartRain.net. David, good morning. Well, hello, DJ. How are you? Good. You know your weekly interview is brought to us by the folks at Murdoch and the Murdoch Auto team, right? I do. And do you know what the incredible things the Murdochs are doing is that they're not increasing MSRP despite car shortage because Blake Murdoch told me he didn't want to walk into a grocery store or go to church and see somebody gouged on pricing. Well, then don't go to a grocery store or go to church and you got it covered. That's right. Pretty (laughs) impressive. Got to like loyal local Utah people. He just blew right through you right there, PK, but I got it. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) So, David, two games down, two to go here in the preseason. Clearly the Jazz are resting most of the starters, many of the key guys we've come to see in the rotation, or in the case of Rudy Gay, expect to be in the rotation. Uh, You've seen a little bit of those guys, but it really does seem like they're playing guys to find out who should be in the rotation inevitably when Mike Conley doesn't play back-to-back, the 15 to 20, 25 games we know he won't play in. Inevitably, someone else will get hurt, and they got enough guys who can slide around and play multiple positions. they got some flexibility trying to figure out, okay, who goes into the rotation? Many of us think we know the answer, but maybe you have the same answer, or maybe you have a different answer. What do you think? What's your answer? Butler. <laughs> um... He goes in where in the rotation? Well, I mean, it depends on who's missing and who else they've got. You know, do they go down? Uh, they, they've got three guys who initiate the offense and do it at a pretty high level. If they're missing one of them, I think he goes in. If they're missing two of them, there's an argument for Forrest going in. Why is uh, that? It depends. Explain that to me. He's got more experience running the offense, and they think he'll do it more consistently under pressure at a higher level. Butler's newer to the game, and they don't want to throw that on him right away. Or maybe um, they do, which is why I asked you, and you won't answer the question. You're trying to interview yeah, me. Yeah, what do you think? Well, so, I mean, Butler and Forrest are, are both have been playing really well and are and I think are really interesting, but they're completely divergent in skill sets. So if you take Forrest offensively, you can get kind of where he needs to on the dribble with power and strength, particularly using his hip and his – in his shoulder strength. He's not a good outside shooter. He sees the floor, passes well, and is seeming to be a pretty good defensive player. Uh, Butler gets to where he wants to with craftiness on an open floor, spaced floor that might be really advantageous to him in the NBA over college. He um, is a really good shooter, it seems, and better have a really good defensive big behind him from what I'm seeing defensively right now. Um, so they're very different in what they do. So there could be an argument that depending on the matchup, but I think if there's multiple ball handlers on the floor, Butler's ability to shoot is advantageous because if you know Mike Conley or Joe Ingles is going to have the ball in their hands and you space Trent Forrest, that's not great. Um, but if you space Butler, they probably have to react or at least he can take advantage of it. Um, I, I think there's... I think there's an interesting question of, like, who's taking the George Niang role until Rudy Gay comes back. To me, that's the most interesting one right now. Is it Eric Paschal, 
Is it Joe Ingles with Jared, them going small and Ingles slides down and Jared Butler plays those minutes? Is it Elijah Hughes gets some minutes and Joe Ingles slides down? Is it Mioni gets some minutes and Joe Ingles slides down? Is it Trent Forrest and Joe Ingles slides down? I think that's Pascal is the is the seemingly most intu- logical, but you know he's a thirty percent career three point shooter, and that particularly that second unit was so great last year because it took 53% of its shots as threes. And it just came up and played fast and bombed and let it rip. And, well, what happened, you know, is that something that you can actually still do if you don't have four three-pointers, three-point shooters on the floor? Or do you have to have a good fourth three-point shooter on the floor? Do some of these guys, Butler included, can do they have to be on the floor only when certain other guys are on the floor, or is it interchangeable? Well, you know, if we're just talking about Butler and Forrest, like we did a moment ago, Forrest is much more productive if he has the ball in his hands. That's what we saw when Mike Conley was out and when we saw in Summer League because he's not a floor spacer, whereas Butler from, you know, no different than most, but he's not very big, and I haven't seen him – I haven't seen, I think he was all Big 12 defense, but I, I have, you know, that's about as irrelevant a sentence when it comes to coming to the NBA as there is. And I haven't seen, you know, it takes real time. I haven't seen him yet be able to grasp the NBA defensively. So I'm going to assume that he better be on the floor with a pretty good defensive big. Like from what I've seen out of Butler, you're not going small, spreading the floor and saying, hey, you know, guard your yard yet. I don't, I don't think he can do that yet. So I am assuming that most of the guys who aren't playing aren't playing by choice of proven commodities. Quinn pointed out a couple of the guys are winning Olympic medals over the summer. So so rest guys, but Bogey's got a shoulder. How much should people worry about that? And how much is it? Well, it's preseason, so he's got to mess with it. But he'll be out there night one. Yeah, I mean, talking to Bogey, he seemed unfazed by it. So isn't that great that I can actually say that? Um, last week, last year, if you'd asked me that question, I was like, I don't know. Um, talking to Bogey, he seemed, he seemed unfazed um, and, and not bothered. And it's not as though it's like hurting him so much he's not running or not doing. I mean, he's, he's actively involved until there's contact. So I think, you know, if he was not shooting or not running or, you know, something of that sort, I, I think there'd be some concern. But I, I haven't seen, didn't see anything of that sort. Um, you know, our top seven guys are our top seven guys again. Our eighth guy is not available. And our ninth guy is playing the most limited role he's ever played in his in his career and probably in Hassan Whiteside and it doesn't and may not actually be relevant for him to play and, and to do that until he actually takes that role and figures it out. So preseason, a three week preseason, which almost has three little stints to it, it's not like the fact that we basically I, I feel like they start training camp today. We took yesterday off. Like training camp starts today. You've got ten days till your opener. You go for two or three days. You play a game. You might play your guys in both of them. I would suspect to some extent. You get them used to at least their eight, nine, ten minutes on the floor. If you've noticed, like the rotation so far, all the guys have played their normal runs. They're not. They're not playing the third and fourth quarter, but they're playing their normal streak of time when they're on the floor. So I would suspect that, you know. Like Don, I think, asked to play that third quarter the other night when he had had a bad shooting night in San Antonio just to come out and make some shots. I would suspect we probably see most of these guys play their first half minutes and maybe their opening stint to the third quarter at some point here, and you just start getting ready. 
and then you probably, you know, what? What's, I mean, I don't want to build Quinn Schneider's coaching schedule for him, but today's Friday. You practice Friday, Saturday. You probably take Sunday off. You get play a game Monday. You probably watch film Tuesday, play a game Wednesday, and then you take Thursday off. And then Friday, Saturday, Sunday, you get ready. And then you're ready. And then we go, right? I mean, yeah, yeah. you actually have till Wednesday the next week. So you probably go Friday, Saturday, yeah. Sunday off, Monday, Tuesday. And I think we play Wednesday. Like, it's plenty of time. Like, like there's just not a lot to tell these guys at this point. So you think the rotation is set and none of these young guys can break into it? So I think the young guys can break into it in one of two manners. While Rudy Gay is out, who's playing what was, you know, that's the George Niang role. So who's playing the George Niang minutes when Rudy Gay's out for whatever it is? Is it, you know, let's just say it's, I don't have any idea, but I don't know when he had surgery. So I, I literally have no idea. Um, so what, what's, what's that run? Like, you know, is that Eric Pascal's the not the obvious you could go to Elijah Hughes. You could go to Jared Butler and go small. You could go to Trent Forrest and go defensive. Um, but that's with Mike Conley, Jordan Clarkson, Joe Ingles, blank and Rudy Gobert. So who's your fourth in that? The other one is there's about three or four games in the span before Rudy, go, Rudy Gay comes back where Mike Conley's going to miss. So certainly those are either Jared Butler or Trent Forrest getting some of those minutes. But the way we do that is that Joe starts, and then we don't play the same rotation. Joe runs out for a pretty good distance on that and then circles back in a different way than he does otherwise, and your lineups are a little different. But is that then let's say Jared Butler or Trent Forrest is one of them, then is the other Eric Pascal, Elijah Hughes, or Mioni? So those guys are all have an opportunity to battle for minutes um, in in those little stretches. Um, but once we're rolling, our nine is Rudy Gobert and Hassan Whiteside. What kind of if you're impact? playing a tenth? If you're playing a tenth guy, it's for four minutes at the most a half to make Mike Conley's minutes go from 31 to 28 and Joe Ingles from 30 to 27, you know, so maybe they sneak in a, you know, maybe at the most those guys get five, six minutes and a half and they play 12 minutes. That would be a lot for a 10th guy. It just aren't that many minutes to go around and our guys are good. Like, you know, you're like, it's great. We got to play a 10th guy, but you're playing then every, every minute you play your 10th guy, he's playing instead of someone who's better than him. So you've got the uh, end of the roster. They want to make sure that they keep the right guys, let the right guys go. Is there any debate there? Because you always hate to be on the wrong end of the Joe Ingles career arc. Yeah, I mean, we have a two-way position that's open. Um, and if I, 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 I hesitate here because I need to make sure I have it correctly, but I, if I understand two-way, it's different this year. It's 80 games between the two of them. So Trent Forrest, I believe, is one of our two-ways, and he'll probably spend a lot of those 80 games – in the NBA this year, and then your other guy can use this whatever the other. Now, what gets interesting is let's say you use Trent Forrest for 30 games, and he plays well enough that he earns himself a roster spot, and you bump him up. Well, then you still have 50 games left, and you have a new guy. You'll never run out. So I think actually running out of your 80 games is unlikely, particularly because then you can just ro- you know you roster move him. Um, so we have an open two-way spot. Right now, that kid Malik Fitz, who, you know, from on the measurements is 6'8", 220. He's certainly big. I'm not sure he's 6'8". 
Um, looked really nice. He made four out of five threes. I'm pretty certain he's not an 80% three-point shooter, but at St. Mary's, he did make 40% of his shots, and he's a COVID draft, um, which I think is important. Those guys, I think, got lost in the mix, so he goes undrafted in the COVID draft, and there's no summer league for him to show. There's no training camp for him to show, and he goes to the Aqua Caliente Clippers and I think played almost no G League in the bubble, and so, no, you know, he, he had a lost year last year, but more importantly, a lost year where any scouts get to see him. Not surprising he went undrafted. He's 23 years old out of, you know, playing three years in college in, a, in the WCC. Like, that's not surprising that that's an undrafted prospect. So, but what, you know, those are the type of guys who actually make rosters. It's just we have no idea because last year was so brutal. I mean, I think Elijah Hughes, like, I think Elijah Hughes is a rookie, too. Like, I think we have to think about Elijah Hughes and Jared Butler kind of the same way. One's the 39th pick, the other's the 40th. And, you know, Elijah Hughes didn't get a game in the bubble last year. He got no workouts. He got no training camp. He got no summer league. And then they didn't practice last year because the COVID protocols were so brutal. So the extent of his basketball last year was like three on threes against, you know, with two other G League guys against a G League guy and a coach or two, right? Like, I mean, it just didn't, it's not, like he's and he's coming out of Syracuse where they play zone and he played solely isolation. I thought his opening stint against San Antonio where he doesn't take a shot was one of the best things I've ever seen out of him. Last year, every time he touched the ball, he jacked it up because that's what he did at Syracuse and hadn't had time to adapt yet. It's not his fault. And so I thought we saw a really different player in the opening two games out of Elijah Hughes. I know everyone's you know in love with our most recent draft pick, but I really think Elijah Hughes is basically playing his rookie year right now also, and we need to let him develop. So you don't need to thank me for it, but I'm telling you something that you absolutely have to use. When Gobert makes one of his patented, stunning defensive plays, I want you to shout, Tootie Fruity, oh, Rudy! Have you been watching too many jazz commercials? (laughs) I have not. Why? Has it already been out there? No, they put together a commercial, which was really stunningly too similar to my real life and really, really well done. Um, was it 2 40 oh Rudy? With me practicing really bad lines. Um, and, like, it's me in some, like, cave that they they made really, really messy to try to look like I was crazy, and then I came home to my office and was like, wow, this looks exactly the same. Well, you are. So, what, crazy? Yeah. I am not. I am what Rob mm. Thomas says. The Matchbox 20 guy? Uh-huh, yeah. What'd he say? I'm not crazy. I'm You're just smooth? a little bit unwell. Oh, <laughs> because they're so smooth. Oh, okay. But you can use that tutti frutti, oh Rudy, and you can use a Rudy Gay too because we got two Rudys this year. Yeah, and they're going to be on the floor together a lot, which is great. Super, I'm pretty excited about that. Tutti fruities, tutti's fruities, oh Rudys. DJ. <laughs> nope. <laughs> what? What's your next segment? <laughs> Because I think it's time for it to start. David Locke joins us every week right here on the Zone Sports Network. Brought to you by the Murdoch Auto Team. Thank you, David. See ya. When we come back, as David well knows, it's a segment where you catch up to date on everything that you missed in today's show. Turnover margin. BYU-Boise State. 
Very intriguing. B.J. Raines, Boise State B writer for the Idaho Press Tribune, had two major problems for Boise State in the game tomorrow in Provo. We will get to those as well. You and Cougar fans, both voting online on Twitter. David DJ James, who you got Saturday. We'll get to that. All of that next. Everything you missed, including baseball playoff history. It's all next. Stay with us. It's game week for the Utes, and the Zone Sports Network is getting you ready for kickoff. The Utes look to pick up their first ever win in the Coliseum as they hit the road to square off against the Trojans of USC. Catch the Ute pregame show Saturday at 5 o'clock with the postgame show immediately following the game. From Monday morning to the postgame press conference. Nobody brings you better coverage of youth football. You ready? Yeah! Than 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. 2-2. And Alvarez hits it in the air pretty well and pretty deep to right center field. Robert is going back at the wall. Looking up. See you later! Into the Astros bullpen for Alvarez. And the Astros lead is 6 to nothing. Swing and a drive. Deep to left field. This one is way out of here. Randy Rosarena with his first of 2021. And it's 4-0 Rays here on the fifth. Taylor leans all the way in, making a 90-degree angle. A Rosarena heads for home. The throw, he has stolen home. And it's 5-0 Rays. Rays open the playoffs with a win over the Red Sox. 5-zip. Randy Rosarena stealing the show with a massive home run in the fifth inning. And then he steals home in the seventh inning. I mean, I can relate. There's nobody who's listening to us who's actually stolen home in a varsity game, no less. (laughs) American League Division Series. Varsity. Varsity game. Practically the same A league game, too, was not non-conference. Yeah, that's important to know. <laughs> You're jealous. A little bit. I'd love to steal home. Home is an exciting play. Yes. That's more exciting than another tape measure home run. I've seen a lot of those, and it doesn't mean I didn't gawk when I saw that ball disappearing into the upper reaches. I mean, he didn't hit it so high that he hit the catwalk. That was earlier in the game. Well, after <laughs> I stole home, I felt like I was on the catwalk. Oh, okay. <laughs> on the catwalk, on the catwalk, I'm too sexy for this radio show, on the catwalk. What? Wow, <laughs> some serious free association right there. Right said Fred, look it up. On the catwalk. <laughs> <laughs> Never say that again. <laughs> no, no, say it often, that was awesome. Wait a minute, now I'm doing PK lines, you're using my no, lines. That was, was... That, was, that was great. You nailed that on that catwalk. <laughs> okay. I was lucky. It's raining like a mother outside. Yep. We heard it was going to happen, and now it is. I'm looking forward to this crummy weather. Why? Because you're going to a bond movie. Because I'm trying to have James a good bond. attitude. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Eating my warm popcorn at the start of the first audible. Well, we'll get to that coming up in feedback. That that got more. <laughs> there's more reaction to popcorn <laughs> than there is to BYU and Utah, who are only playing Boise State and USC. It's not like we don't have a couple of quality games with quality opponents. The king of Idaho and the king of Southern you California. And your, you and your popcorn rules. <laughs> and it's worked. It makes sense. You don't want to have the popcorn not, eaten before not now. previews. Not, not now. 
<laughs> catch the people up on everything Mr. Joe. You had an important point to make about turnovers, and the numbers are out there. BYU with 11 takeaways this year. They've only lost the ball twice. They are plus nine. They are tied and once for, they didn't even lose it. Tied for sixth in turnover margin in the entire country. Algier turned it right around. Right. They had the turnover on the pick. How about that? Ran your best offensive player causes a turnover. Who could say that? Your best offensive player makes the signature defensive play of the year. That's a big time play. Big if time I see play. that happen, I would think I'm watching third graders at recess. The only thing <laughs> that, that bothers was... me about that play is that people say BYU needed it to win the game. Well, it was early enough in the game. I can't prove that, but it but, was. But a it big, takes away from the dominant effort that it they was had. A big. That's play. my. It was a great play. Big. It was play. a big play in the momentum of that no game. No question. Now every college no football question. game. And every coach will tell you this, there will be multiple momentum turns. Even if you beat a team 35-17, there'll be a point in the game where you feel like you don't have the momentum and you're on your heels. You but I think it, it discredits BYU's defense and BYU's offense by saying they needed that play. So I tease this, B.J. Reigns came on and he left us with major doubts about Boise State's offensive line and Boise State's defensive line. And I'm not sure which one he has a bigger doubt Cougars about. Cougars are winning. I'm going to Vegas. That's it. Good call on your part. Yeah. Just to see the Raiders and Lincoln Kennedy. No, five thou <laughs> on the Cougars. And I'm talking to BYU guys, and they're telling me if we hold on the ball, which they have done literally as well as you can do, they will win. They believe they will win the game. They're very, very confident. Plus nine in turnover margin. As always, when you look at the teams that are in the top 10, you look at teams that are having good years. Number one team in the country in turnover margin, Iowa. I was playing Penn State this week. Number three versus number four. Is it heaven? No, it's <laughs> Iowa. <laughs> Oregon is number two. They got one loss. Cincinnati is number nine. Undefeated in the top ten. Oregon State having a breakout year. Four and one. They are tenth. I mean, look at the turnover margin. It's why Kyle has lectured us on this over and over and over. And it's right once again. The top ten teams in the country are having great seasons. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and be- Algier. Give it to him, and he's likely handing it to the referee after scoring. <laughs> That's when he gives the ball up. Yeah. Well, this is also the kid that led BYU in tackles against Boise State in 2019 and then goes out and has that big game last year running back. So assuming Conover is the guy, and if Jaron Hall is healthy, then he's the guy, but assuming Conover is the guy, Hall already has the don't turn it over thing down. He's already been out there protecting the ball. But he's for, the only guy who made the turnovers. For a third-string quarterback, hey. you just have to make sure, hey, do your thing. Yeah. Don't try to make a bunch of big, crazy plays. And that's what it's looking like, but they right. haven't given up on Hall yet. And right. anybody who and says otherwise, I can guarantee you they're wrong. They would love to play Hall. Who wouldn't want to get uh, their starting quarterback back? Uh, we get that. And they don't have to make they're a gonna decision. They're going to decide today. Right. I mean, and that's only if they effects. want to. If they want to kick the can down the road, they can. If they want to decide today, they can. And then see what he's, you know, what's, what's right. tomorrow brings. But Algier, he's the best two-way player since Shohei Otani. Right back to baseball, your go-to. In fact, I'm calling from here on out, Algier, I'm calling him Babe. Because Shohei was the best two-way since Babe Ruth. So, there you go. Tyler, he's now the Babe. Tyler, Babe, Algier. The Babe. When I say the Babe going forward, I'm speaking about Tyler Algier. If the student section sings Babe, I got you to Tyler Algier after his third touchdown, it's your greatest win ever. Babe, I got you. You mean I got you, babe? Yeah, whatever. (laughs) I mean, they may have to mix it up. (laughs) 
Babe. Babe, I got, I got you. you. They say our love won't pay the rent. Babe, I got you. It doesn't really roll. Babe, <laughs> I got you, babe. That was the part I was going to. Okay, I'll give you that. Nice, nice save. It's a sandwich. <laughs> oh, brother. So, in addition to that, all the things we discussed this morning. There have been a lot of discussion this BYU. morning. BYU. Turnover margin. Why don't you have hope? Shouldn't you have a lot of confidence and hope these are big games? These are brand name opponents. But man, these teams, they are not as good as the rep that got them this brand name. No. Uh, but for, two, S- USC. For, for, for BYU, or excuse me, for Utah, though, they may not be as good as the sure. rep that got them the brand name. True story. Plenty of question marks. And they got a pretty good brand name. USC coming in at three and two. Boise State coming in at two and three. It's an elimination game for USC. They've used all their mulligans in conference play. They can't be high probability. A, they can't be taking a third South Conference loss against a team that they could well need the tiebreaker against. Oh, in the second week in November, no, or October, right. no less. You still got the Bruins. You still got the Devils. Yeah. They got to win this. Yeah. Right. But yeah. will they? <laughs> they lost man. back-to-back home games. You can say, it's the Coliseum. Except they lost the last time they played there. They lost the last two times they played there. You know, I'd imagine it's not going to be exactly uh, 70,000, 80,000 there. I'd be surprised if they got 50. Like most places, L.A.'s a front-running town. Big time. Yeah. What time the Dodgers play Saturday? Some USC fans are rooting for Playing the Dodgers. Playing San Francisco, but I right, get but your point. Home watching the game on TV. Yeah. Especially if the weather is less than ideal. I think it's going to be fun. Never rains in Southern California. Sing it. <laughs> October rain, no less, is very weird. True story. Yeah. We got some people who aren't confident. David says, can they stop Boise State's passing? I hope so. Bachmeyer can be uh, an equalizer in this game. He's good. He can fling it. Get a little loose. Uh, but they put 31 points up a couple of times and lost the game. And one thing to keep an eye on is third quarters have been miserable for Boise State. I don't Boise get that. State. That doesn't make any sense And their three me. losses, they've scored three points in the third quarter. The offense has literally gotten, gotten nothing done. I've got nothing to explain that. Bad second-half team. Horrible but, but It team. makes no sense. I know. And yet, it's happened. And it's happened again and again. Well, you can't go again and again and again and again because it's only happened three times. Right. So that's you can go again and again th- and again, and but that's you can't why go again, 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 again and again. But if it happens a fourth time, Cougar fan will be quite pleased. Sure, and then we won't worry about Boise until next year. Right. Then the Cougars will be halfway through it. I know, man. This six is the halfway point of the six season. Six down, Jeez. six to go. Wow, they go six and zero. Oh, that would just be incredible. Move up in the ranking, maybe you never know because at this point you have to have teams ahead of you lose. Yeah, when you're lower, you know somebody's going to fall. Right. There's enough spaces, but at ten, I don't know. Three plays four, so I guess there's one top ten loss. Uh, yeah, but if, but it's, if it's, it's a, a close game, they won't they, they won't drop anywhere. Very far. No, right. nor should they. There are a ton of games, college football, big game tonight. Stanford at Arizona State, 8.30 on ESPN. Big game for the South, and not quite as big for the North, but still big. Yeah. 
Oregon wouldn't mind seeing Stanford lose now that they don't have the tiebreaker. Oh, for sure, yeah. But obviously, USC, UCLA, Utah, all eyes on ASU. Oh, yeah, definitely. What's, yeah, because they got nothing else on? to do tonight. And uh, no matter home or away, you're going to be sitting in a hotel. Yeah. Because they always put the home team in a hotel the night before the game. So everybody's going to be sitting in by 8.30 our time. Maybe 7.30 you might have some meetings, but... Uh, most of the you're going to be watching. Most of the kids in the conference will be watching that game tonight. Yeah, no question. Then tomorrow, more big games. Oklahoma, Texas in the morning, 10 a.m. Big game in the Big 12. Not the two teams that are going to be around the Big 12 all that much longer, but nonetheless, that's a classic rivalry game. It is. Yeah, no question. Yeah, especially when they play it. You can count on it. It's the second Saturday in October always, isn't it? Yes, it is. Yeah. And always 10 a.m. I like it. In Dallas, halfway between the two Tradition campuses. works, especially in college football. Tradition works. Light schedule for both the Big 12, for you uh, BYU fans who are starting to make the mental adjustment, and for the Pac-12. Both leagues have four teams off on buys. We've got Stanford and ASU tonight. we got UCLA and Arizona. Pac-12 after dark tomorrow night, 8.30 on ESPN. Assume UCLA will run right through Arizona. Bruins... Facing an 0-4 Wildcat team. Oregon State-Washington State's on the Pac-12 network at 2 o'clock. That's intriguing. Can Oregon State keep it going? Yeah, I think they can. Uh, for me, now that Corner Canyon has lost its winning streak, I now focus on Arizona continuing its losing streak. Small transition, <laughs> but an enjoyable one for you. They sit at 15 in a row? Oh, let's see. They lost 7, then 5, then 4. So 16 in a row. It's climbing. Yeah, let's get to 30. BYU's got Baylor coming up. Baylor is hosting West Virginia, 2-3. and three. West Virginia is at Baylor, 10 a.m. on FS1. So Baylor's coming off there. a loss, so they got to get it going before they host the Cougars. And they had, a, uh, they had three gimmies, so I really look at them as one and one. They, didn't, they did not test themselves with Texas State, Texas Southern, and the conference opener at Kansas. We all knew Baylor was going to be 3-0 and out of the gate. Okay, Beat Iowa you, State, yeah. that was a good win. That's a good win. They got Iowa State, and then they lost Oklahoma State. Yeah. Both, uh, both competitive. TCU and Texas Tech is the other Big 12 game. NFL this weekend already had the Rams picking up the win over Seattle. Russell Wilson appeared to dislocate the middle finger on his throwing hand. They're saying it's badly sprained. Yeah, really, really badly. Didn't look like it was so bleeding from what I saw. Those, update that's on good. that. They're claiming that he has what they're calling a mallet finger, where the joint is so severely sprained that it cannot move, essentially. So they can't straighten it out? That's forever? not a dislocated that can be popped back in place? That's the way I read what Many of us came have, out this morning. So is he out next that. week? He's got some more, more time to recoup, obviously. I would, yeah, I would assume that. They probably don't want to announce that at this point. Yeah. But. No, they don't have to, but the NFL requires them They'll, to in yeah, time. Next week, we'll next get to week, the yeah. be going about injury week, report. Yes. Yeah. Big games, some 3-1 and one teams squaring off in the NFL this weekend. If you want to check out some of those games. A couple of those, that uh, the Packers and the Bengals. Packers have won three in a row after losing that opener. I'm going Cards and Niners. Yeah? 4-0 and o versus 2-2. Two and two. Yeah, and it's a division game. You like those division games. Afternoon game on Fox. 
I grew up on NFC East football division games. All Philly huge. Giants, Washington, and then the Cowboys. Yeah, they were always big. All huge. Browns are three and one. Chargers are three and one. Not teams that have been in the playoffs a lot lately, but they look like they got it going now. They both got young quarterbacks that look really good. Justin Herbert's Hall of Famer. Now, who gets the win and gets to four and one? Yeah, that's a, that's a huge game too. I agree. And primetime Sunday night, the Chiefs' defense has had problems, and the Buffalo Bills know how to score it. So get ready for a high-scoring game Sunday night, Bills and Chiefs. hope so. I like high-scoring games. A lot of football coming this weekend. Tonight, you got the Pac-12 football, and you got the Dodgers and Giants at 7.30. Anything else you'd like to catch the people up on? I think we got it, man. I'm ready to go. When we come back. I have to go. Your feedback. A lot of football and uh, PK's popcorn theory. We'll get to that. Stay with us. And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. This week's Raider game against the Bears is brought to you by America First Credit Union, the exclusive home of the official Raiders debit card. All of the same great features and benefits now with the silver and black. Learn more at AmericaFirst.com slash Raiders. Question of the day. Why wouldn't you be confident about your team this weekend? And Eric tweets at us, because Aggie football is playing Alabama. Well, that'd do it. If you're a Texas A&M fan, you probably got a little doubt. Oh, I thought he meant Utah State. No. Texas A&M, Alabama. Prime time Saturday night. Mm. Okay, but Aggies just be an Alabama fan then. <laughs> so, oh, okay. You're good to go. Skull and Trombones says, well, I'm not confident because I know for sure they're not going to win this week. It's a bye week. <laughs> so funny. Utah State fans will get back at it. Why wouldn't you be confident about your team this weekend? Roger says, I am confident. BYU by 14. Cougars 34, Broncos 20. Okay. That's what I like to hear. Gabe says, well, how about BYU wins if any of the top four quarterbacks play? But if it gets deeper than that, they're in trouble. It's always close with Boise State. Yeah, you're, except last year. You're 15 quarterback. You're probably in trouble. MJU says, how come I'm not confident? Because my team isn't very good this year. It remains to be seen how good this Utah team is. Also remains to be seen how good they need to be, given how good everybody else in the division is. It's all relative. To a degree. I think you're still going to have to play well. I don't think these teams are that bad, that except for Arizona, Colorado, maybe, that you can go out and lay an egg and still win. Agree with that. Not on the teams that are left on their schedule, except those two. As far as you and your popcorn theory, no eating of the popcorn until the first word is spoken in yeah, the movie. You want to enjoy it while you're watching the movie. It's like you go to a Super Bowl party, you want to be eating the food that isn't good for you during the game. John says, dude, my popcorn doesn't make it to the opening credits. Then why even buy the popcorn then? Just go down and, and buy it, walk in there, don't even go see a movie, turn around and go home. They go to popcorn goes together with the movie. That's why you're buying the popcorn for the movie. It makes no sense. You don't buy the popcorn for the previews. That people, you're not thinking this through. Think it through and you'll come along to my side, I promise you. 
Jack Dunbar says you can't get the popcorn at the right time unless you're in Nebraska where they grow the corn. Just grill it. It tastes great. (laughs) It's less filling. Sure, yeah, I got it. Grilled popcorn. I don't even know what that is. I don't know. Seems impossible, but hey. Maybe it means grill is corn on the cob. That's good. I've had that. That's that's tasty. Okay. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We're about out of time. You got any locks for the weekend? Any guarantees? Yeah, Alabama. Good call. <laughs> A&M's going down. <laughs> even, even bigger lock than Georgia and uh, Auburn? I think so. Those two seem to be separating themselves from the rest of college football. There are no such things anymore if it doesn't involve Arizona and Colorado as a lock in the Pac-12. I am done saying this or that definitively with a result in the Pac-12. I'm just not doing it. It, It's too crazy, which is the very reason Utah has all sorts of hope. Not seeing those 15 and 18 point point spreads unless, uh, which is what Georgia and Alabama are, unless Arizona and Colorado are involved. Then the spreads get pretty big. Yeah, yeah. Oregon State, three and a half over Wazoo. USC's two and a half points over Utah. Uh-huh. UCLA, 16 points over Arizona. Now, I should say, right. and this surprises right, right, right. me, what? ASU is a 13-point favorite over Stanford. So the other three games fall I in line with I the theory. I agree with that. I think I would that's, be surprised by that. That's an outlier. If you told me ASU was favored by seven, I'm on board. This team has to improve. <clears throat> improve excuse me. This team has to prove that it doesn't self-implode like it did against BYU. And also, to your point, ASU plays a lot of close games. Now, they did... That's the way Herm coaches. They did pull away against UCLA. But I wouldn't expect that against Stanford. I mean, Stanford, I think, plays a decent number of close games themselves. I mean, everybody knows that BYU didn't win that game. ASU just beat themselves. Oh. Why do you do that now? (laughs) (laughs) Speak from the heart. That would have been good two hours ago. 9.57 with Scott and Hands on deck. There's no time (laughs) to explore that. Plenty of time, man. We're going nowhere for many years. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone.